But if you have your Bible this morning, let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 35, and we'll read down to verse 41. That's Mark 4. And while you're turning there, I want to start with this story. It says, It was the third day of the honeymoon cruise. We were on board a beautiful 200-passenger ocean liner named the Atlantic. The captain of the vessel had been on the sea in one form or another his whole life, and had weathered every type of storm there was. During the night, early morning hours, there was a loud thud that woke my wife up. After shaking me in order to wake me up, she said, did you hear that? I turned over and I said, go to bed. It's nothing. As she got out of bed, she opened the porthole, which was in our room, to see if she could see anything out on the deck of the ship. I put the pillow over my head at this point, and I said, would you go to bed? This is like your typical marriage here. So she crawled back in bed, rolled over, and closed her eyes. After a couple of minutes, I asked her, Well, what did you see? And she said, Oh, I guess it's nothing. The captain is out on the deck in his night robe talking to some of the crewmen. When she said the captain was on the deck, I jumped out of bed. I ran outside to ask the captain what was wrong. When I reached the captain, I realized my wife had mistaken him for the cook. I asked the man, I asked the men, where was the captain? And they said, he's asleep. Only then could I go back to my room and rest in peace because my captain was fast asleep. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. On the same day when evening has come, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're dying? And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, verse 40. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, I'm not sure about you, but I know for me, There was one thing that I dreaded more than anything in school, and that was tests. And sometimes when you'd walk into the classroom, the teacher would spring a pop quiz on you. And the pop quiz was to basically get you to keep listening. Because if they gave you a pop quiz, you would at least be able to answer the questions that were given. But then there was those other tests like the midterms and the finals that were based on a lot more information in a longer period of time. And you remember those. You had to stay up till three in the morning, cramming, um, freaking out because there's a lot more weight to those tests. But even if it was a pop quiz or a, a major exam, you know, it was usually based on the information that the teacher had given you in the classroom, hopefully, if they were a good teacher. If they were a bad teacher, then everybody's in trouble. But 
the teacher was going to test you on what was taught to see if you got what was taught. In other words, they don't believe you when you say, I got it. They need to put you to the test. Now, a pop quiz is one thing, but what about a pop exam? That means it's not a small test, but it's a big test that you weren't ready for. And that's kind of where the disciples find themselves in this situation. Now, in Matthew's gospel, it says, when they had gotten into the boat, the disciples followed him. So, what's happening here? Well, they're following Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you follow him. So they followed in the boat. But little did they know that, that they were going to experience one of the worst storms in their life because they chose to follow Jesus and step into the boat. And, and as a result of stepping into the boat, well, they experienced things that weren't necessarily comfortable. And we can be assured that when we step into the boat of Jesus, if you will, we are going to experience some of the most intense, extreme storms that, that we've ever experienced. Storms that only a disciple of Jesus could actually experience. We're going to go through it. We're going to hit trials. We're going to hit tribulations. And they're going to be hard. I mean, let's face it. If you love sailing and you're out on the ocean a lot, you're going to experience storms. And if you love Jesus and you follow Jesus, you're going to experience some heavy, heavy storms. The question to us this morning is, are you in the boat? Are you getting in the boat? Now, you can follow Jesus to, to a certain distance. And say, no, I'm not getting in the boat. You can stand at the shore. You can say, no, I'm going to follow Jesus to here. But when it comes to loving my enemy, no, I'm not getting into that boat. When it means to forgive this creep, no, I'm not getting into that boat. And you can follow Jesus to a certain place. But it's not until you get into the boat that you're going to experience the freedom that comes by letting down your sails and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you and push you. You're never going to experience that richer, deeper intimacy and fellowship and, and closeness with the Lord if you would have stayed on the shore. And yeah, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be storms. But that's the only place where true character and maturity is really developed. We've all heard of Helen Keller. She was deaf. She wasn't dumb. And she was blind. And she says this. Character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. Isaiah 48.10, God says this, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. And I praise God 
that Jesus is the refiner. He's the refiner. We'll get to that in a minute. Now, before this whole scene, Jesus was teaching parables on the word of God and and the kingdom of God. But now that's going to be put to the test in this storm. And you know, so often in the Gospels, that's, that's the order of things. First, the teaching, and then the testing. After the imparting of his word comes really the impact of those words being worked out through the test. And how important it is when we find ourselves in deep water that we are anchoring ourselves in the promises of God. I was just out at Channel Islands um, last week surfing. And my friend has a boat in Santa Barbara and that's five islands out there in, in Channel Islands. We go out there and we surf and, and we, were, we were spending the night on his boat and we come into this harbor and it was, it was kind of rough that night. And he's got this really big anchor and we, we, we were about 15 feet you know, deep. We pulled into this bay and, and we let out about 40 feet of chain with this big anchor. And the more chain we, we let out, and, the, and the, the, the size of that anchor gave me much comfort. Even though it was rocky night, yet I could sleep because I knew we were secure. And if you find yourself in deep waters, you need to anchor yourself in the promises of God. Because it doesn't mean the boat's going to stop rocking. It just means that you're, you're secure, You're not going to be shipwrecked. And so we need to anchor ourselves in the promises of God. So now after the parables have been taught, it says in verse 37 of Mark 4, it says, A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so it was already filling. Now you might be thinking, how in the world could these disciples actually be crying out for their lives on a lake? Come on. You know, it's interesting, in Israel, you have this warm air coming from the Mediterranean, Mediterranean, you know, Jaffa area, and then it goes over the Knesseret Valley, and then there's Mount Hermon, which is 900 or 9,000 foot elevation. They actually have an Israeli ski patrol on Mount Hermon. And then the Sea of Galilee, 600 feet below sea level. So you have this warm air clashing with the cold air off Mount Hermon, and you get these just gnarly storms I had a friend um, a long time ago, he was in Israel, and it was the worst storm they'd had in Israel in 20 years. And he's a surfer. And he told me, he goes, Mike, I'm not exaggerating. The Sea of Galilee, the waves were like 8 to 10 foot. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And just so think of a little boat, a little fishing boat, in waves like that. And now it's filling, and they're out in the middle of this, of this huge sea, and and they're going to go down. And so they're, they are freaking out. And, and rightly so. And you know, isn't that the way it is with trials and tribulations sometimes? It's smooth sailing. Everything's like fine. And then out of nowhere, you're in the worst storm of your life. Some tragedy hits. We have a good family friend that just died last night of a heart attack. Three girls, or two girls, and a son, sweet wife. And it's just, 
it just happens so quickly. And sometimes it feels like the perfect storm. You have a category two storm over here and a category three storm over here and another storm and it all comes together and it's this category five storm in in your life. And you didn't even have time to batten down the hatches. I mean, it, it's, it's just, life is, is crazy. And we're getting hit spiritually and emotionally and in the physical realm and financially or whatever it might be. And, and it's not this quick squall either. Sometimes these storms can last a long time. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, don't think it a strange thing concerning the fiery trials which are to try you or test you as though some strange thing has happened to you. It's not a strange thing. We live in a fallen world. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. Everybody goes through stuff. There's three guarantees to life. Death, taxes, and trials. Guarantee, don't think it a strange thing. This isn't heaven. Just reminding you of that. Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. He has. Now, let me say this that this isn't about the mess that we get ourselves in with sin. All right? We might think of that as a trial. And, and it is, in a sense. But really, it's, it's the repercussions of our choices and our sins. And I've been there, believe me, many times. And it's not fun, because you don't get much sympathy. But praise God for His grace and His mercy and His love and His forgiveness that gets us through that time. But... Jesus was leading these guys and they're following. They're they're actually in the will of God. They're following Jesus into the boat. And so there are times, plural, when the Lord will allow us to go through trials. Why? Why does he do it? Well, for a bunch of reasons. One is that we might be able to comfort those with the same comfort that we've received from our trial. How would you be able to comfort anybody if you haven't gone through the storm? And do you want to listen to anybody that hasn't gone through what you've gone through? Not really. You want to listen to somebody that's been there and done that and weathered that storm that you're going through and has something to offer you. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. God will allow us to go through things to test our faith. He doesn't want us to stumble. That's Satan's job. God tests us to prove our faith. He never will set you up for failure. All right? He will allow us to fail (laughs) so that we can learn. But he gives us opportunity to exercise our faith. That's why trials, you know, maybe you've heard this. It's not 
the disappointment, just change the D to the H. It's his appointment. And God is working behind the scenes. You don't know what's coming down. You don't know what's, where you're going to be next year. You don't know what the Lord's going to do. And that's why, as James says here in James 1-2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not if you fall into them, but when you fall into them. Now, I usually count it joy when I'm falling out of a trial. That's the fun part. It's like it's over. <laughs> but, but why? Because it produces something. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. That's why we take joy in it. It's not about taking joy in the actual thing. That's misery. That stinks. That's painful. I'm, I don't give thanks. I was confused about this for a lot of years. And then it's kind of freeing. I, I don't have to give thanks for the it. But I'm in it. And so the fact that I'm in this, God is using this as a tool to teach me, to teach me patience. He's not going to sink me. God's going to settle me through this. He doesn't want to confound me. He wants to confirm me. He doesn't want to confuse me. He wants to, he wants to ground me. God doesn't want to weaken me. He wants to establish me. So count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and a lot of other things. And it's worth it. It's worth it. How many times have you said to yourself, God, could, could I have learned this just in a different way? Like, why so painful? I could have learned this like a million other ways. Why this way? And you're like, that wasn't worth it. But then you're able to say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's, it's brought me close to the Lord. It's, it's strengthened my faith. So it is worth it. If you... You know, if, if you count character more important than comfort, it's worth it. But if your comfort is more important to you than your character, it's, it's not worth it at all. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. He says in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice. In what? He's talking about the living hope. This living hope that we have. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, would you underline that, circle it, highlight it? For a little while, if need be, you have been grieved with various trials. It's just for a little time. This too will pass. It's a short season in light of eternity. Trials have a beginning. Trials have an end. That the genuineness, verse 7, or the proof of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Christ. And so here he's likening our faith to gold that's tried by the fire. 
And as I was saying, Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, is the refiner. Which means that the fire, the trial that you're going through, it's not an incinerator's fire, it's not a forest fire, it's a refining fire. And, and he's, he's bringing up all the junk. He's purifying. It's through the fire. And until that gold is purified, it will stay there. You understand that? It could stay there for years and years because we're stubborn and we're not learning the lesson. But all the dross comes up. And as many of you know, when the refiner could look into the gold and see his reflection, that's when the gold was purified. And when Christ can look into our life and see his reflection as we step into the boat and we obey him, oh, then, then, then there, there it is. It's, it's more precious than the gold. It's, it's our faith. And God is, is showing us. And we can have such a different perspective now in our trial, right? We have, a, we have an eternal perspective in our trials. And we can actually have a smile in our trials. I was going through a very hard time once. And um, one of the guys in my church, he came to my office and came in and... and um, you know, as a pastor, people are watching you, how you deal with things. And this guy came to my office, and I'll never forget it. He just told a very simple story and left. It was like a parable. I didn't know it at the time. He said, hey, you know, Mike, um, I lived up in Washington near the Puget Sound, and I would go out there, and I would watch these guys on their sailboats with my binoculars. And I'd watch, and, and this one particular day, it was like, totally windy and raining and dark and a bad storm and there's this guy out there in his sailboat all alone and this and the mass is you know bent over like 45 degree angle I mean it was like hardcore and he's just flying through the bay and I'm looking through the binoculars and the wind hitting him and the waves are crashing into him and and I could see his face And his face was like this. (laughs) And I was watching him. And then he got up and walked out of my office. (laughs) It really spoke to me. What he was saying was, we're watching you how you weather this storm. Are you just crying, sucking your thumb in the back of the boat, saying... God, where are you? I'm dying. Or are you, do you have that look on your face? <laughs> you, you, you have a different perspective on this, on this storm. I pray that God gives you that perspective. Well, look at verse 38. It says, Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Now, when you doze off, you usually are not on a pillow. It's wherever you're... I, I watched a guy falling asleep standing up yesterday. I almost videotaped him. But I was afraid that he was going to see me videotaping. 
But he was leaning against the wall and he's like, he's like, but when you grab a pillow, you're like going to sleep. When you fluff your pillow and you're ready for a sleep, Jesus is going to sleep purposefully. And so they cried out, teacher, don't you care that we're, we're dying? I don't know how Jesus was sleeping, but he was asleep. And you know, some of the greatest men in the scripture said the same thing. Psalm 10, verse 1. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? Where are you? Like, where are you? Psalm 44, verse 22. Yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. Do you hear like a little sarcasm there? Like for your sake, we're killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, do not cast us off forever. Do you know that those were King David's words inspired by the Holy Spirit and put into our Bibles? Why? (laughs) To encourage us that we've all been there. And that God is working. God isn't going to forsake you. God is watching. God is working behind the scenes. Always. Always. You know, when Abraham was walking up the hill to offer up his son Isaac, on the other side of the hill was a ram coming up the hill. Abraham didn't know that. Or it was already up on the hill, caught in the thicket. God's provision is already there. And it's just a matter of a perspective. It's perspective. And then, verse 39, he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The Greek, when it says be still, it literally says be muzzled. I remember as a young Christian, I actually read this wrong. I didn't know he was speaking to the sea. I just thought he was speaking to the disciples. <laughs> like they're saying, we're going to die. And he's like, peace, be still. And I, I thought that for like the first year of my Christian walk. And I just, I thought, yeah, be muzzled. You guys shut up. <laughs> Relax. But then I realized he's talking to the sea. But I mean... He could be talking to them. (laughs) And then he says, why are you fearful? Oh, you have little faith. One writer said this, why little faith in such a great God? It is well that it's faith. It is ill that it is little. Oh, you little faith. Now, is that fair? Like, they're, they're in a gnarly storm, and they're, they're going down. Is that fair? Well, they'd already seen him raise the dead, heal the blind, the lame could walk. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of food came out of a couple of fish and loaves. I mean, they've seen some, some radical things. But I believe that their fear and their freaking out was due to ignorance ignorance as to who 
Jesus really was. And, and I believe that our fear and our anxiety and our worry and our freaking out is, is due to one or two things. A lack of knowledge of who God really is. And it's only that knowledge will come experientially as we go through more trials. Or we just have spiritual amnesia. We forget who God is and we forget the power that we possess. I mean, imagine a guy that's 10-year black belt kung fu and, and he, he, he's, his hands are lethal weapons and then he hits his head and he gets amnesia. And, and a guy like me walks up to him and says, I'm going to kill you. And he freaks out and he runs away. He's got amnesia. He doesn't doesn't remember that he could kill me. And I think that that's the way we are so often. We, we, you know, the, the trial comes and the fear comes and we are living in tomorrow land. Live in the moment. You don't have tomorrow. Live in the moment. The older I get, the more I realize I could have a heart attack tomorrow. So what's all my worrying about? And if I worry, if I told you my list of worrying, you would agree. You should be freaking out, Mike. (laughs) But it's tomorrow. Sufficient is its own troubles today. As thy days are, so shall thy strength be. You can't do anything about yesterday. And you can't do anything really about the future. What you can do about the future is just be in the moment and do what you're supposed to do. I pray that you would have more moments of being here now and your anxiety and your fear, trusting, anchoring in God's God's promises. F.B. Meyer says this, God incarnate is the end of fear and the heart that realizes that he is in the midst will be quiet in the midst of the storm. So if the storm of your life is causing you to doubt the Lord's love and doubt the Lord's power and doubt the Lord's wisdom, then, then Jesus is speaking to you and me and he's saying, oh, you have little faith. And maybe... He's speaking to us saying, be muzzled, (laughs) peace, be still. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. It was a great storm, it was a great calm, but the only thing that wasn't great was their faith. And I always imagine the disciples, you know, it's, it's raining and the waves and crashing and the, the creaking of the boat and, and then all of a sudden and all you can hear is the, the dripping of the water off their beards. There's just this eerie quiet. And then it says they were extremely afraid because who is this? Who is this? Psalm 89, verse 8. O Lord God of hosts, 
Who is mighty like you? O Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. Jesus was revealing his deity. Only the Lord can do that. And here's God in the flesh. Turn to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. I want to encourage you. You might feel like you're out in the ocean on a boat and you're getting tossed to and fro. Well, that's what this psalm is saying. In Psalm 107, verse 23. Psalm 107, verse 23. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on the great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. You know, they see the waves. They see the dolphins and the whales. They see it all. For he commands the rising of the stormy wind, which lifts the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. I don't know if you've ever been in big waves, but it literally like your soul melts. It's like your blood goes out of you. (laughs) You're just like... (gasps) They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunk man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distress. He calms the storm so that the waves are still. And that's what he's going to do for you. Then they're glad because the waves are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. The Lord's guiding you, even in the storm. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wondrous works to the children of men. But I want you to notice, they went to Jesus. They woke Jesus up. That's good. A lot of times we go and wake our friends up and say, help! We need to go to Jesus. But I know what you're asking. Why is he sleeping? Why is he sleeping in the first place? But he said to them, why are you so fearful? Uh, because Jesus, we're about to die. That's why. Okay. You're fearful. That takes us back to verse 35 of John, or excuse me, Mark 4. Come, let us go over to the other side of the sea. We're not going to drown. I'm not taking in the boat to kill you. We're going to the other side. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Warren Wiersbe said this about this passage. Of course he cares. He arose and he rebuked the storm and immediately there was a great calm. But Jesus did not stop with the calming of the elements. For The greatest danger was not the wind or the waves, but it was the unbelief in the heart of the disciples. Our greatest problems are within, not around us. The greatest problem is what's going on right here in our heart. And so we have to anchor ourselves in the promises of God. We're on a journey of discovery. We are in our trials. Abraham was on a journey of discovery, discovering discovering who God is in the storm. 
Abraham dis- was on a journey of discovery. He walked up Mount Moriah and he discovered a new thing about God. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Moses was on a journey of discovery on the mount when he said, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Gideon was on a journey of discovering who God was when he was outnumbered. And he said, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jeremiah was on a discovery, a journey of discovery in a dungeon when he said, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Ezekiel was on a journey of discovering who God was by a river when he said, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is here. The Lord is here. Job says, listen, I looked to the right, he wasn't there. I looked to the left, I couldn't see him. I, when I come to him, I'm going to complain. But he's going to deal with me. At least I'm going to come and he's going to show me what's going on. This is whole Job's conversation. But I don't see him anywhere. But then he says in Job 23, 23, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I shall come forth as gold. It's impossible to please God without faith. We need faith. One writer said, All the trouble in the world cannot harm you as much as a half a grain of unbelief. So, I want to close with a poem. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you feel like you are at your wit's end. You're not. (laughs) You're not. Because you haven't sweat as it were great drops of blood yet. Are you at wit's end? Are you standing at wit's end corner, Christian, with troubled brow? Are you thinking of what's before you and all that you're bearing now? Does all the world seem against you and you in the battle alone? Remember, at wit's end corner, it's just where God's power is shown. Are you standing at wit's end corner, blinded with wearying pain, feeling you can't endure, you cannot bear the strain, bruised through the constant suffering, dizzy, dazed, and dumb? Remember, at wit's end corner is where Jesus' love is to come. Are you standing at wit's end corner, your work before you spread, all lying unfinished and pressing on heart and head, longing for strength to do it, stretch out, trembling hands remember at wit's in corner the burden bearer stands are you standing at wit's in corner then you're just in the very spot to learn the wondrous resources of him who faileth not no doubt to a higher brighter pathway your footsteps will soon be moved but only at wit's in corner is the god who is able, proved. So brothers and sisters, fear not. God says, I'm with you. Be not dismayed. I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. Lord, we just thank you for your strength. Give us a different perspective 
on this journey of discovering who you are, that you are our banner, our righteousness, our provider, our shield, our strength, our fortress, our high tower. Lord, that you are God, as we sang. You're the great I am. You are the great I am. And we thank you for it, Lord. So, Father, strengthen my brothers and sisters this morning. And I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, and they feel like they're in the storm, Lord, I pray that they would come to you and find rest and find an anchor. And Lord, for those who are in, in a mess because of their mess, and they're experiencing the repercussions, Lord, thank you that you're in the midst of the mess and that your grace is there. So Lord, we come, we say praise you and we thank you for forgiving us and thank you that your grace is sufficient. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.